0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: Can I just step back for just a moment and tell you what the Lord was putting on my heart? This this morning. I anybody like a surprise birthday party? Anybody like those? <laughs> How many hate surprise birthday parties? Yeah. You're like, yeah, Charlie's at this little stage where He's like, he's hiding around the house. When I come back, he screams at me, jumps out and screams at me. And I am like, if you end up slapped, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I am not responsible. But I mean, just he, I came around yesterday. I think it was in the laundry room in the dark. And I just walked in and he was ah! and I was like, oh, God bless your heart. Come on, amen. But we, none of us like surprises. But, but when you have a surprise party, you tell everybody to park down the street. Because you don't want the person to see their cars. Now I don't know about you, but if I try to have a surprise party, there's always somebody who does this. They always send them a text. Sorry, I can't make it. There's always somebody who ruins it. But most of the time, if you can actually succeed, you move all the cars away, and and you okay, come on in, come on in, and you're sneaking people into your home and you've got it looking normal, and and you want them there, but you don't want anybody to see that they're there because you want it to be a surprise. And and then when the person opens up, comes in, and everybody screams surprise, you've succeeded if they actually really look surprised. That's not the way you invite the presence of God. The Word of God is very plain. If you really want God to come in in the power of who He is, you can't sneak Him in. Now, with that in mind, let's read Psalms 24. We started here Wednesday. We're picking back up. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For He founded it upon the seas, and He established it upon the waters. And then the question is asked, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands, here's your answer, and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Now watch. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. One translation, swing wide. Open it up for everybody to see that the King of glory may come in. And I don't know why, but somebody said, Pastor, when you say God, why do you say it like God? (laughs) I, I, I don't know, but when I read this verse, I cannot read this verse passively. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O oh, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. For who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. Come on now. Help me with that. The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Why don't you give the King of glory a praise today? Father, we do not want you to sneak in. We throw the gates of our hearts and lives open and we invite you to come in. For you are holy and you are just and you are good. Come on now, just just metaphorically in your life. God, open our hearts to your word. Open our lives to the King of glory. Father, this is our cry. This is our prayer. speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've been going through the Psalms. And as we've been going through the Psalms, I had no clue where we would end up. Uh, I thought, I knew where we were going, but apparently God had another plan. Last week, I talked with you about the power of trusting God and doing good. Anybody else have to fight with that all week? Monday, something hit me so hard. I was ready to show them just what mistake they had made by interrupting my world. And I heard this loud mouth preacher from Dawsonville say, trust God and do good. And I said, God, I don't want to trust you in this. I want to, I want to show them, trust me. Come on now, amen. And, and the Lord said, trust me and do good. And so I rearranged what I was headed into. I rearranged what I was doing because God was speaking through his word through these Psalms. And I believe there's just as much truth in this 24th Psalm, not as widely known as his popular neighbor, the 23rd Psalm, but this 24th Psalm. And, and to understand it, you have to get it in context. You have to understand why this Psalm was written. The songs st- picks up, uh, and it actually is a result of generations of, uh, of an issue. There's a man by the name of Eli who is the great priest, and Eli, he's uh, the high priest, and he's, he's sitting uh, in power, and they tell him, "We've got to take the ark." and he says, "Don't take the ark." and they forcibly take the ark anyways, out to a battle. And the battle goes against Israel, and the Ark of the covenant, with the presence, the sign of the presence of God for the Israelites, is stolen. It's taken away. When the news reaches uh, Eli that the Ark of the Covenant has been lost, he falls off his seat. He's an older man. He falls off his seat. His neck is broken and he dies. And, 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 and then the news gets to his daughter-in-law that not only is the Ark gone, but her, her, her husband is dead and she, she goes into labor and she gives birth to a child and they name this child Ichabod, which means the glory has departed because the presence is gone You have to understand the presence always reveals the glory of God. The glory has departed. There's a long story we're not going to talk about today, but this story eventually causes those who captured the ark, uh, out of terror of it uh, being in their midst, to send it back. And they send it back, and it only makes it as far as uh, the outskirts of where it should be. And no one ever bothers to go reclaim it. And a man named Samuel comes to power. and Samuel refuses to go claim the ark. And, And then a man named Saul becomes king. And Saul is more interested in his own agenda than the agenda of God. And Saul never bothers to go get the ark. And then Saul is replaced by king david the man after god's own heart and king david begins to establish his kingdom and after he's established his kingdom he realizes that the presence of god is something that he needs to have in his kingdom and and so he says let's go down and and get the ark and bring it back up and we can have the presence of god here again so he goes after the ark and as he goes after the ark we know that 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 they went into the house they picked it up i want you to notice that they had to touch it they picked it up and they put it on a cart They put it on a cart. It was not supposed to be touched. It was not supposed to be on a cart. We don't know why they moved it from here to there without a major problem. But somewhere along the path, as it got closer to being where it was supposed to be, the presence of God is is upon it. They reach a a threshing floor, and there's a crack in the ground there in that threshing floor, and the oxen stumble. And as the oxen stumble, there's a man by the name of Uzzah. Uh, He reaches out, and he, he grabs hold of the ark. He tries to control the ark, to steady it, just to keep it safe. And as he grabs hold of the ark, the Bible says that that the, the presence of God breaks out against him. And the, the literal translation of that breaking out against Uzzah means that, that, that he exploded. For lack of a better way to say it, Uzzah was oozing everywhere. Sorry. Uzzah was all over Everyone. Uzzah had exploded. And I can imagine David is standing there in this, this horrific scene and, and Uzzah is, is not in a, uh, uh, is gone and, and he's, he's cleaning the blood off of himself. He, he doesn't understand. He gets angry about the moment. He's like, God, all I want to do is bring your presence into my life. Why am I having a struggle trying to bring your presence into my life? Now, I know that no one here has ever felt that, but I I, I really think that a lot of people will understand what I'm saying when I say the closer you try to get to God, the stronger the battle you're going to have to fight. The more you try to get the presence of God into your life, the stronger the battle. And David reaches that place. He's like, God, I just wanted to do what you wanted me to do. And I don't understand why this is happening, God. I don't understand why this has happened. And all of a sudden, David says, I don't even want the ark near me anymore. I I give up on trying to bring the presence of God in my life. Dare I say that because of the struggle and because of our unworthiness and because of the pain that a lot of people and a lot of churches have given up trying to bring the presence of God into their life. But God is sending out a call. He wants some Somebody to throw open the doors of their life and say, don't try to sneak me in. Don't try to keep me at an arm's distance, but invite me in and the King of glory will come into your life. Amen. Oh, Pastor Don's preaching salvation. I'm not only preaching salvation, I'm preaching power for the saints. That the King of glory wants to come into your life. Pastor Don, I don't know. I've been trying church and it's not working for me. That's the problem. You've been trying church. You need to become the house of the living God and God will change everything for you. Amen. I was going to be quiet today, but I feel what I've come to tell you. I feel this. And, and so David gets angry and throws a, a, basically a, a fence says, get it out of here. And it ends up in a band by the name of Obed-Edom's house. It stays there for about three months and word gets back to David. And David has been angry and he's gone from anger to confusion. And now he's reached a, a place of humility. And, and they said, David, the ark has caused blessings on every side in, in Obed-Edom's house. And and David says, well, let's go get the ark and find out how to do it right this time. And and, and as they go to get the ark, David sits down before they touch the ark and and he penned Psalms 24 before they try to embrace the presence of God. Again, he penned Psalms 24 and he writes this very famous first passage into the King James. that says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, he says, God, everything that's ever been created is yours. It's yours, God. God, I established this truth before I try to do anything because he said, I tried to do it my way and it didn't work. I tried to make it work according to my plan and I tried to fix my life and get your presence into my life in my plan and my way. And he said, God, this is yours. I declare that everything is yours. And we talked about that and I'm not gonna get into depth on that a lot, but but we talked about the fact of what would happen if we started living like everything around us was God's. It's sort of like somebody said, Pastor, don't go buy one of those, just borrow mine. And I said, I said, no, you don't understand, I, I'm not borrowing yours, it, it's a, an expensive item. And they said, but Pastor, there's no reason for you to waste the money, borrow mine. I said, but you got to understand, I'm still afraid of my daddy. What do you mean? I said, in my family, if you borrow something and you break it, you buy it. You replace it. Because when you borrow it, it becomes your responsibility and it better be in as good a shape or better when you take it back or my dad still has, he'll still come after me. I said, I don't want to borrow it, but you see, when you borrow something, you care for it. You want to take it back in better shape than it is. You want to, I I actually borrowed somebody, we were going somewhere and needed a much larger vehicle. I borrowed it one time and I took it back and, and the man came to me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about my vehicle. And I said, Oh, what's wrong with it? He said, Oh, no, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with it. He said, He said, you took it, had it waxed, had the oil changed and filled it up with gas. He said, Can you borrow it every two weeks? I said, I don't think so, but thanks for letting me borrow it. And he said, He said, no, Pastor, thank you for what you did. Would it not be that different in our lives if we realize that when God puts you in the presence of somebody else, they belong to God. I don't care how big a jerk they are. They're gods. I don't care how much you don't want to be around them. They're gods. I don't care how you don't like working with them. They're gods. And if we begin to realize that everything we interact with is not really ours, it's just borrowed from God, we would treat it in a better way. And then David goes on to say in the next passage, he says, he he says, for the Lord founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the waters. And this is probably one of the greatest truths that I want you to get. He begins to quote Genesis chapter 1, at verse 6 and 9, and he, which it tells us that the Lord calls the sky to be formed and tells us that God calls dry land to come out of the water. He begins to quote the word. He says, God, I make this declaration. Watch this now. I make this declaration that everything is yours, and I declare it because your word tells me it's so. And when he makes the declaration according to the word, this is the truth that I want you to get. This is the power that I want you to get out of this. When he brought God's word into his life, it began to cause an action in his life. And and I want to read it to you just the way we're going to put it up here for you. When our words reflect his word, his word becomes our verb. Some of you, you know what? All three services, there's not been one good amen when I said that. But let me explain it to you. When our words reflect his word, his word becomes our verb. And what I mean by that, and I want you to get this today, I want you to get it in the very fiber of who you are, that what David is saying is, God, I did things wrong. I messed up last time. This is what I believe. Everything is yours. And then he quotes Genesis 1, 6, and 9. And he says, your word tells me it's all yours because you created it. Your word tells me this. And because your word, watch this, because your word says it, I know I can walk in it. And the word becomes the action. The word becomes the verb. If you would learn to find the word of God for your life and for your situation, you would have the plan of action to change your situation. But here's the problem. We have instant access to everything nowadays. Now, don't you love the invention of smartphones? It's been a blessing, right? You know what my favorite thing about a smartphone is? If I'm in a disagreement with someone about some, something, I can Google it and find out I'm right. That wasn't the score of that game. Here's the score of that game. Come on now. Amen. I can prove it. I can prove it. I've got enough Bibles laying around my office in my home that every time I pass by and the Gideons try to give me another one at the festival, I say, save it for somebody who doesn't have one. I have enough of the word around me. There's probably 30 Bibles in my app. There's all of these Bibles and all this word all around me. But accessibility does not mean I have internalized it. And for the word to become your verb, you have to get it inside of who you are. And you have to begin to speak it. I'm trying to teach you something here. The devil tells you certain things and people tell you certain things that God can never use you, that God can never love you, that God can never set you free, that you've blown it, that that God's done with you and he's through with you. And the problem is you can't get out of that because you don't know the word that gives you an action to get out of it. Are you with me? All right. Watch this. The devil tells you or somebody tells you you're worthless. You will never amount to anything. You're stupid. You're this, you're that. But the word tells me that he knew me in my mother's womb and he formed me and he created me with a destiny and a future and a hope. And when I begin to quote the word, I make a decision. I'll either listen to the devil or I'll listen to the word. And the word says I can move forward because ahead of me is God's plan and God's future and God's hope because the word gives me an action. Maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you fall into sin. I know nobody in here has ever done that, but you fall into sin and the devil tells you, well, you've blown it now. God doesn't love you. Isn't it amazing? Before you get saved, the devil will tell you, you don't need God. Before you get saved, the devil will tell you that's hogwash. You're crazy. Don't go listen to that stuff. But the moment you get saved, the devil shows up and says, you're going to hell. You're not really saved. Why? Because he's perverting the truth into a lie. But here's what happens. You fall into a sin. You know you're born again, and you fall into sin, and the devil tells you, how dare you? God couldn't love you now, but the word says that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. So he brings the word into the equation because the word allows action. Am I making sense to anybody? If I am just say, man, like, like it's, you just heard the greatest sermon ever. Come on. Say, man. All right. That, that's good. That's good. Because here's the thing. The next time somebody on your job or in your neighborhood or somebody does your kids wrong and you're like, pastor, well, I don't need the word. I've got action. What you need is to turn his word into your verb, because his word says, do good unto those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. You see, the word has to become your verb. Maybe I should hurry. You see, there's truth here. In this little Psalms that people are, oh, that's just the psalms. I, I need meat. Well, maybe we found a T bone in the middle of the Psalms here. That God in heaven wants to change who you are. And he's wanting to do it when you begin to internalize the word and speak it into reality. Because when you speak God's word and you praise God, it releases the power of God said into your life. God, I believe what you've said. See, God is looking for somebody to believe him. God's looking for somebody to trust him. God's looking for somebody who will love him no matter what. The devil has said to you, God, your word says, and he says, I'm looking for somebody who will take a step on my word so they can walk on the water of life's problems with victory and power in their lives. You know, I was, I met a new friend this morning and, and I hope he's going to be a, a, a friend. And he, and he said to me, he said, I, I am here and, and I'm testifying that God healed me of cancer. And I'm so thankful that they're here this morning, that God healed me of cancer. And he began to quote this, the scripture. I quoted one scripture and he said, we've been standing out of scripture out of, out of Peter. And, and, and you know what? That's exactly what I'm preaching to you about. When all hell breaks loose on you, the word gives you somewhere to stand. And then, David asked a question. He says, God, I know it's all yours. And and God, I know it because your word says it. But who can ascend to your hill? God, who, who can come into your presence and stand there? Who, oh God, can come? And I want to just go over this quickly. but I want you to get this. Here's the deal. If you go to Israel today... And for one hour every day, they will allow people of Christian faith for only one hour to come up onto the Temple Mount. It's built with, with the, the Mosque of Omar as its center now. And, and everyone kind of just begins to gawk at that and the steps and the rise. And, and my mind is rushing there. But even as I was there a few weeks back, I said, take me to the back. Now, we're going to go over here and see the eastern gate because the eastern gates were us to take me to the back. Take me to the very back. What was in the back of the temple? The holy of holies. Take me to the back. And the guy looked, I said, the little gazebo with the rock. He said, you want to go to there? I said, take me to the back. And it's called the foundation stone. It's believed that it was on that spot that Adam was formed by God. And and when you get to that white foundation stone, it's it's rubbed uh, uh, down smooth. And and when we get there, I'm kind of excited. And everybody's standing around and go, why did you want to come to this spot? I mean, obviously, everyone's concerned about that mosque over there. Everyone's concerned about that rock over there. And my mind is going, why don't you know the Bible? I mean, it's so obvious. The Bible says that in the back of the temple was the Holy of Holies. That was the front of the temple. This is the back of the temple. Why don't you understand? And as I'm standing there looking at all this, and I, I know I'm, I'm a nutty professor right in this moment. Excuse me. How? Because I got so excited. As I'm standing there, I'm pointing at, do you see it? Do you see it? And they're like, yeah, well, it's smooth. It's wide. I'm like, do you see it? Do you see it? And they're like, what do I see, pastor? I said, don't you see the crack? Well, yeah, there's a big crack right down the middle of it. I said, where did the crack come from? Where did the crack at the Holy of Holies come from? And they're looking at me and I said, the Bible says when Jesus cried out and he gave up the ghost, when he cried out and he died, the Bible says the earth shook, everything turned black and there was this big curtain between God and man and this curtain stood there so nobody could come in to that spot. But the Bible says that all of a sudden when the earth shook and the sky turned dark, that that curtain was torn from top to bottom, that power came down, it split even the earth under it because it made a way. Watch this. It made a way to this question. Who can get into God's presence? Who can stand in the presence of God? If we start trying to figure out if we've been clean enough, we'll never get into the presence of God. But I've come to tell you who can get into the presence of God. All of those who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ are welcome to boldly approach the throne of grace. We serve a good God. Throw open the gates. Invite the King of glory in. But the problem is we don't really want God's presence. Uh Uh-oh. You see, your determination has to match your desire, and it, it costs you something to have God in your life. But here's what we want. We don't want God's real presence. We want to possess God. You see, if we can bundle it just right in our church and possess God, watch this now, then we seem right above every other church. That our church is right and they're all wrong. That's not the way to get God into a church. That's not the way to get God in your life. And that's kind of what David wanted. David was like, I have everything else settled. Now I need God's presence, so I have it all. How many of you know that God's presence unsettles everything else in your life? Here's why. Because if you try to possess God, God cannot be possessed. But God wants to possess you. You see, David had come to get God. And God said, no, 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 David, I've been after you. God wants you to allow him to possess your life. So where does that start? Let's go to verse 4. It's really, really simple here. Verse number 4 says, says this. It says who has, He says, who can go into God's presence? He said, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Does not have idols. We'll get there later. Does not bear false witness. But he who has clean hands and, what is that? The conjunction is what? A pure heart. Interesting. Clean hands and a pure heart. If you really want the presence of God in your life, you have to have both. Lots of people can clean up their hands for church. Looking good. Looking the part, smiling, waving. Come on now. We, we come into God's house just like people on parade. We got the parade wave down. God bless you. We're going to have church today, brother. And we clean ourselves up on the outside, but the reality is inside, we're, we're, we're a mess. And He says, I want to clean not only your hands and the way you look outside, he said, but if you really want to be possessed by the presence of God, you've got to get a clean heart. I just want to tell you some truths about clean hands versus a pure heart. You see, there's a big difference between perception and reality. Between the outside you and the inside you, people see clean hands, but God sees a pure heart. Clean hands will impact our actions but a pure heart will impact our attitude. Clean hands will do the right things, but a pure heart will do them for the right reasons. I know none of you have ever been judgmental and, and hypocritical and all those fun things that come with serving God sometimes, but there have been times that what I did out here was not what was going on in here. And I've realized that I've got to start in here, that changes out here if I really want God to flow through my life. I've got like a ton more really good points I want to make all of a sudden, but I think I'm there. Somebody will come and play something. I think I'm there. I think what we need to do is figure out a way to fling open the gates of our heart so that the King of Glory can come in and stop trying to sneak Him into our lives. We need Him to come in and change who we are, but it's got to be more than just lip service. It's got to become heart service. We can't just say it got to believe it. We got to let God change who we are. We've got to begin to live the word as the verb of who we are. And as I live the word, it begins to change me from the inside out. So when my hand goes to do wrong, all of a sudden God changes who I, I am. And, and I don't know why this was not in my notes, but I felt to share this uh, in now in all three services. But but a, a, as I share this with you today, I just want you to hear my heart. I, I was sitting in service the other day and it was Wednesday night, and. Carl was preaching. Honestly, once this started happening, I don't know what he said because I was having a conversation with God. If you've been doing that this morning, you're perfectly fine. If you're talking to him, he says a lot better things than I have to say. And Carl was just talking and God spoke to my heart and he named three things in my life, three things that I have never repented over and I didn't even see them as sin. I still don't see them as sin. He named three things in my life. He said, I want them gone. Repent of them. Get them out of your life. Gone. And honestly, it wasn't even that hard. It was just three things that were there. They were just occupying my time. And and that's what I figured out after that message in the first service was they were time robbers. They weren't sin. They just weren't healthy. They just weren't pure, lovely, and just, and good, and kind. And God spoke to my heart. And he said, son, I want these gone. For whatever reason, they weren't good for my life. So I just, right there in my chair, I said, God, forgive me. Take it. I want it gone. I didn't know this bothered you, but it's yours. And I've not had a problem with that. It's just gone. But Here's what I found. Whatever they were doing to my heart was hindering what, to what he wanted to do to my heart. Because the moment I was willing to give, in, I mean, so insignificant. I mean, it, 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 almost as insignificant if he said, give up chewing gum, you know? Well, not even a big deal, but, but just, it was so insignificant. But the moment I gave it up, he replaced it with something better. He began to work in that area that that was occupying. And I guess that now that I'm preaching to you, and that's why I felt to stop this, I guess those things were soothing me instead of me seeking him. And so when I said, God, I want you more than this, he began to work inside of me. We all have access to the presence of God. There is no one in this room who has gone so far that God doesn't welcome you in But I'm talking to everybody for a moment. What do you have in your heart that's keeping it from being pure? What do you have in your life that's not allowing your hands to be clean? What needs to be gone? Because this world, you listen to me. I'm trying to finish here and I'm almost done, but this world I've never, I've, I've never jumped the bandwagon with everybody's oh, end time revival, end time. But this world needs a move of God. And it needs the church to boldly be able to approach the throne. And they, we need to be able to, with clean hands and a pure heart, throw open the door. And as the king of glory comes in, his glory will change all of our lives. But my question is today, what are you hiding? What keeps you out? You need to learn the word that those who have a pure heart will see God's face. That without holiness, no man shall see the Lord, scripture says. That we cannot be satisfied with living in sin, we must have a passion for the righteousness of God in our lives. Am I preaching truth? And I want you to stand with me. In moments, this service will be a thing of the past. It'll be over. I preached to some of you for, I don't know how many years. Some of you for 25 years. Next weekend, 25 years of this church. I thought about one friend. I remember being there on their 40th birthday. Now it's a lot later. I preached to some of you for five years, some of you for two years. This may be your very first time. And if you've ever never heard me before, look, I know that I've been kind of all around the place this morning, but my heart... Just want you to hear God wants you to surrender so that he can possess your life, your home, your family, and change everything for your good.